0: La 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 Welcome to the Must Love Self podcast. My name is Carly Israel and I'm your host. Every week I get to interview a beautiful, courageous, strong woman who is willing to share her ugly and beautiful with the world. Must Love Self is a podcast, a movement, and a decision. It is about women lifting other women up, women holding each other women accountable, and women finding their way along this path. I hope you enjoy. La 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 I have Diane Hillary on here. I cannot wait to dig in deep into Must Love Self with, but she's going to introduce herself to everybody.
1: I am Diane Hillary, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I've been a psychotherapist for about 15 years, and about three years ago, I got trained, or four maybe now, I got trained in um, mindful self-compassion by Kristen Neff and Chris Germer, and so after that, I was fell so in love with it that I started the Atlanta Center for Self-Compassion and have been teaching self-compassion and using it in psychotherapy ever since then.
0: What is the Atlanta Center for Self-Compassion?
1: It is um, a private practice with three therapists, and we do process groups for women. We do um, we teach the eight week mindful self compassion class, and then do individual therapy. But the focus is definitely on being able to notice that inner critic in whether it's through therapy or through groups, and then being able to push back against it and heal really. really I'm so
0: excited because every single woman I speak with has told me that they have that inner critic. I know I have. It is the most unkind, judgmental. I always, you know, we always say if that person spoke to me in real life, I would never talk to them again. Yet we're stuck (laughs) with them. So we're going to we're going to walk through it. My question to you is why did you say yes to having this conversation with me?
1: Um, I watched your video where you were talking about your journey and your recovery. And I just really connected with, you know, the way you spoke about feeling empowered and other women in your life, because I'm um, on my own recovery journey and walking alongside other women um, through their journeys in therapy and in group. It's just my favorite topic. I love to talk about healing and recovery and how self-compassion can be such a critical part of that and has been that for me.
0: how we don't have to live like that like we don't have to live like that anymore how
1: freeing and I keep talking about this but like how much
0: time and energy we could focus on things that are actually meaningful could you imagine standing before whatever you believe in whether you believe or not believe at the end of your life and then being like so how'd you do with the time I gave you and being like yeah I spent most of it being concerned about what everyone thought
1: about me and how I looked and that's ridiculous. That exact thing. In my last conversation, I was just saying like, yeah, right. Like what could we, how could women, you know, set the world on fire in a positive way if we were not spending so much time controlling our appearance and what we say and all of that.
0: So tell us if you are okay with sharing what age you
1: are. I'm 44.
0: Have you ever
1: cared about your age or your number? Um, no, that's not really, that's not really something that, I mean, I will say that I, Got married and had kids really young. Um, it just hasn't felt, um, you know, I've always been sort of out of sync with other, with what my friends are doing. And so I haven't really been that concerned about the number, no.
0: Do you know of any women that don't like to talk about their age or don't want to admit their age? Yes, definitely, for sure. What do you think, especially since you're a professional, what do you think is behind
1: that? It seems like it's cultural forces, you know, that it is pressure that, you know, women are less valuable as they age. We don't celebrate, you know, the wisdom of the archetype of the crone, um, you know, the wise old woman. We celebrate the younger and sexier and, you know, prettier and whatnot. So it's basically the patriarchy, pretty much.
0: That's why I asked this question right away. It's not because I want to put anyone on blast. It's because I want us to say like we need to take back this excitement and wisdom and own it and be Queens and be like, who cares that you don't think this age is meaningful. I think I'm more fabulous than I've ever been in my life. I can't wait for every year that comes. in terms of a scale that you're going to rate yourself between one and 10. One is I'm a monster to myself. 10 is I'm aware. I'm pretty awesome to myself. That inner critic is not so loud. And when it comes, cause it's never going to go away completely. I right. know how to like talk to her and make her be quiet. Mm-hmm. So what would you rate yourself currently in how your inner critic is with your body?
1: With body image, I would say a seven or an eight.
0: What's the lowest number numbers ever been? Two, probably. And what was going on at that time?
1: I was in high school and I was just, you know, immersed in diet culture and trying to earn my worth by being as thin and fitting into the ideal as possible. Right, so I'm 42, you're 44,
0: so you grew up around 902 and 0. If you were not this specific look or Baywatch, which I was never capable of looking like, like my mm-hmm. boobs never looked like that, my stomach never looked like that, yeah. and you saw how lustful everyone was and, and the tension and the really, I hate this concept at amusement parks where you can buy a VIP pass to cut the line. Mm-hmm. I think it's just so unfair and mean and like when you're standing there for two and a half hours for a ride. Yeah. But that happens in our society with our outside appearances. Mm-hmm. And that feels really unfair. Like when you're driving down the road and someone speeds, and you're like, why is there no cops catching them right now? Yeah. And I think that's what we're doing here is we're saying like, let's really focus on what matters. I'm excited to hear in a little bit how you got from a two to an eight. But what would you rate your number today in terms of your own worth?
1: I would say maybe that's more like a six or a seven.
0: What area in your life right now, do you struggle with in terms of worth?
1: Definitely, probably the business the most, like not being a therapist, but running a business. Just that whole world of feeling. Yeah, I think it's the place, you know, it's helpful to think about like, where's the place that you're doing the most comparing, right? And so I mm-hmm. feel like the I get a lot of um, comparison energy when I look at other women in the way, you know, their businesses on social media or that kind of thing. And so it's easy to be like, oh, you know, and sometimes I'm like, yeah, I definitely don't want to even be like that. (laughs)
0: It's so important that you just said that. So it's so amazing that you just said this because I'm definitely going through something right now in the universe. Like my body's a mess, like physically, like I'm in pain all the time. Like I'm sick. I'm emotionally, like I said to my really good friend the other day, I'm 22 years sober. I'm not supposed to feel like this. And we laughed at each other because like this idea that you're not supposed to have a hard time. I'm aware that I'm kind of at like a crossroads at another time. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting with social media in business as a woman. And you see like people point posting their numbers and I have this many followers and I have this many downloads and I have this many, all this crap that means literally nothing. It's not going to be on my grave. So, and I promise you, it's not going to say Carly Israel had this many followers. Nobody gives a fuck. Right. So, but you're so right. Where am I comparing myself? And that brings me back to that question that I need to keep coming back to, which is what truly mattered. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's so hard to remember that when you're you're surrounded by it all.
1: Yes, right. We're swimming in the soup of yes. you know, that our worthiness is determined by outside factors and right this in, in mindful self-compassion, we talk a lot about how our brain is like a group of puppies and we're, we try to like gather the puppies and be like, okay, sit still, let's focus on this one thing. And then they immediately run away. And I feel like that's a good, um, thinking about like just gently being like, okay, I see you're over there, brain back over here. You know, that's what we're doing is like, okay, I'm, I want to focus on my soul's purpose, which is totally different from anyone else's. So, so there's no point in comparing because that doesn't tell me anything about my soul's purpose, but immediately five seconds later, I'm like, but that person has this, that person is doing that. And it's just keep, I have to keep being like, okay, bring it back, bring it back. I'm yeah. so glad you brought this
0: up because as women, I know that we're doing this. So let's say we've conquered or gotten better at the body stuff. We're not like focusing so much on that. And then we're doing it as a mother and as our kid stuff. And Oh, where's your kid going to school? And what's your kid doing? And how's your kid's like, Oh, your kid doesn't have an issue with this. And then we're doing it in work and all these comparisons again, the same thing. We're looking at outside. We're thinking that outsides mean reality and right. we're judging ourselves. And that's where that voice comes. Yeah. Lots of work. Last one is your voice. What would you rate your current ability to advocate for yourself? Not for your kids or your clients, but for you?
1: Um, I would say that
0: is closer to an eight. Awesome. Has it ever been low?
1: Yes, I mean that one feels like it was at like a zero probably. Is that even on the scale? <laughs> yes. I've had people
0: give me negative numbers. What do you think changed your ability to use your own voice?
1: I definitely think a part of it is female friendships. Feeling I didn't feel before that I could use my voice because I felt um so frequently invalidated, you know, by just the the suck it up culture, the just put your bootstraps on. And um, I'm just a really emotionally sensitive person. And so once I had friends who valued that in me and who would say like, of course you're feeling that way because of A, B, and C, then I began to be like, okay, I'm not crazy. You know, I just am very That's
0: what it is. We always have this idea, I do too, where we think we're crazy. And I want this PSA to go out to stop apologizing about our tears Mm -hmm. because we never apologize about other feelings. Right. Right. Is that kind of feeling in emotion? I've been told my whole life that I'm overly sensitive, that I take everything so personally. And yes, there is some truth. I do take things personally and I'm working on that. However, I'm also allowed to have feelings about things, even if you don't have the same ones. Yeah. And I think that that is a reminder for all of us that we need to respect where each other is Mm -hmm. rather than where we are.
1: Yes. One hundred percent right? I mean, oh, this whole life thing is a journey and we're all working on different growing edges. And so, you know, just being able to have, I mean, and I love, I actually think that having, some people think, you know, practicing self-compassion is like self-pity or self-indulgent or too selfish, you know? And I, my experience is really the more that I am able to be kind to myself and be, allow myself to be right where I am, the more I can be generous with other people and be like, yeah, you can be right where you are because, I was just there last week or I'll be there next week, you know,
0: and to share it really Mm -hmm. gives, which is what we're doing now. It really gives permission because we all need permission like that reminder, like you are okay. I I told I get you. I see you. I get you. I want to go back to your childhood. If you wouldn't mind sharing what you can think of what you saw or told or were not told about what a woman or a girl was supposed to be like or not be like
1: hmm. Definitely. I vividly remember having this conversation in high school, which is funny because I don't have that many you know, vivid memories about thinking like if someone said knew that they were good at something, that that was um, like they were bragging and they were conceited. And so there was this pressure to, you know, be like, oh, no, 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 I'm not good at that. I'm terrible at everything. In terms of my family, I mean, I think I was encouraged to, you know, work hard and that I could, you know, be successful at things, but that just, I don't think this was specifically being a woman. Cause I do think women are given more permission to feel their feelings than men are, but, um, but just definitely that they're that like, it's, you're allowed to feel things, but not too much, you know, like keep it, keep it in check. Yeah. I would say that's the main things is just sort of be like a people pleaser, keep the peace, take care of other people's needs and don't, you know, don't have too many of your own needs or emotions.
0: So if you keep the peace and you don't have too many of your own needs or emotions, that's how you end up at a zero for your voice because you just don't want to make any weight. Like that's the best way is to just keep quiet. Yes. It becomes really stifling and lonely. And if you keep doing that as an adult, you'll find yourself in situations where you're like, how the hell did I get here?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Because you never spoke up. Right. I have a question for you in terms of your career How did you make the decision to go down this path of such a very specific area with self-compassion? You said you're a psychotherapist in a certified eating disorder, mindfulness. How did that all happen?
1: It's funny because I I really went into, I have a master's in social work, and I really went into social work because I was more focused on um, like issues of systemic injustice and justice um, and then when I got to grad school I um, I mean I think I knew that I was someone you know I was in that caretaker role so I was definitely a listening ear to a lot of friends in high school and college um, but when I got to grad school the the clinical pieces of the training really fit with me I still was passionate about the justice pieces but I was like I think I want to be a therapist um, and then I, I had like a problem with my internship. And at the last minute I got put, um, as a, um, an internship on in an eating disorder program and I wasn't looking for that at all. But as soon as I got there, I was like, Oh, this is pushing some of my buttons mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to do this work on myself. If I'm going to show up and do this work with my patients. So it does feel like it was like a divinely inspired, you know, I was meant to do that work. And, and so the universe was like, I'm going to land you in this job, even though it was a last minute, you know, thing.
0: Can you share some, you said that at age 13 is when you started becoming self-conscious. Can you share what kind of buttons that pushed and what you've, how you've gotten to the place you are today?
1: Sure. Um, I think it's just more probably the general culture of dieting and, um, you know, growing up. I mean, I think the diet culture was, it was just, I mean, it still is very intense now. I guess it's just morphed into a different thing. It's more like people are using the word health. When I was working with eating disorders and I realized, you know, how much fat phobia had played a role and I had worked on a lot of internalized racism and sexism and, you know, already. And so when I realized like, oh, here's another thing I've internalized from the culture. Um, And obviously all of them are lifelong work, but I just, it was one that I wasn't as aware of that was in me. So once I, you know, I love the idea of health at every size and just Really, looking at the research to show how BMI is just like total oh, crap it's ridiculous, and so um yeah, so I think it it was mostly um, working seeing so many people up close who were suffering so intensely and for such a long period of time with eating disorders just pushed me to think like i don't I want to be able to truly show up in the room with people and be able to be someone who loves and accepts my body just as it is, and almost as like a in solidarity you know. And as a way to not, not bring my own body stuff into the room as much as possible.
0: It's so important. And something that I've realized from doing these conversations is that there's a misconception out there that in order to have an eating disorder, you have to look a certain way, but it's actually not true at all. You can have disordered eating Mm -hmm. and that inner voice and that mean and that restriction and that insidious, all of it, regardless of your size, people don't, people can't necessarily see it as visibly because they don't see the behavior or they don't hear what's going on in your mind. But I want to just kind of break that conception of you only have an eating disorder if you look a certain way. Is that your experience?
1: Definitely. Yeah. You can have, you know, you can be in all different body types and you could have all different types of eating disorders than what the stereotypes are. And also that you know, men have eating disorders and, um, that I think there's a stereotype of it being like a white woman thing. And it is just not true. You know, people of color, men, you know, we we all, it's something we're all swimming in the soup of, you know, diet culture. And like, have you ever seen that dove commercial, um, called onslaught where Mm -hmm. it's a little girl and it's just like the nonstop, um, images coming her way. So thinking about how that is in our, you know, that is in our homes, that is in everything we consume that is in every you know, commercial that we watch. Um, So it's just like all it's also really confusing. And I'm just going to get a little
0: political here because I am. I remember during the period of time where the person that used to be in office was in office and when was getting elected, I remember feeling so much injustice about how is he allowed to say these things and behave this in this way? And what example is it to my children? Like I have three boys who I'm supposed to use people out there at the highest level is this is what you're supposed to behave like. And instead I had to say, this is how you should never behave. What message that tells women and men about what their bodies are like, if we not only are hearing this and seeing this, but it's it's accepted because nothing's being done. And it's really confusing. I I am feeling very upset about it. And like, I am grateful that we're having conversations. I want it to be more than conversations. I want it to be action yeah. And what feels really hard is that we're competing against so much, you know, social media and TV shows and the government and all of this. It's really, really confusing to us when our soul knows this is not OK, but then nothing's being done about it.
1: Yeah, I, I've been having a couple conversations with friends during the pandemic. That's like this feeling with our former president of like, who are the adults in the room? You know, yes. like happening here. And then we're kind of like, I guess we are, <laughs> you know, like, right how do we need to be disruptors
0: in our daily? In yes, our I love daily. that. Um, you wrote something down when you filled out your form about practicing the tools of mindful self-compassion has changed your life. Can you share a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Yeah. The So there's three um, basic components and it's first is mindfulness, which just means being able to notice what you're feeling when you're feeling it, which is a skill all in and of its own because we're so quick to, you know, numb and distract. And then the second is common humanity, which is the idea that we, when we're feeling like feeling sad or anxious, I tend to have a, then an inner critic that comes in and says, well, this is because you're too sensitive, or this is because you, you know, are too anxious or whatever. And instead of being like, this is a normal human emotion that literally everyone alive has. And so that common humanity point of of being like, this makes me normal, not abnormal and um, whatever normal is anyway. And Mm -hmm. then the third is, is self-kindness instead of self-criticism. So that that part is just like, we've done the noticing, we've done the remembering that it's normal. And then we are doing that final piece of like, can I be kind to myself in this moment? You know, if, mm. and one of the key questions that helps to remember this too, is what would I say to a friend in this situation? That's so what easy,
0: I- right? I always know if my friend Sarah called me and she said these things, mm-hmm. I know exactly. So I sponsor a lot of women in sobriety and I, and I say to them, what would you tell your sponsee? We always know what to tell someone we care about, but when it's ourself, right? When I don't feel well, I'm, my inner critic is like, no, you need to be doing this. You should be doing this. How you can't take the time off. But if it was my friend, I'd be like, you don't feel well. What are you doing?
1: Right. So I, and then it's the other piece that I love about it is the, the way that it's connected to our nervous system. So um, when we're criticizing ourselves, we're activating our fight or flight Instinct, and that is just basically raising our cortisol and our adrenaline. Our adrenaline, and if we have long-term heightened cortisol, that leads to you know chronic depression and anxiety. And so we can. We also have this mammal instinct. That's the the fight or flight is our reptilian part of our brain, but we also have this mammalian part. That is um, mammalian. You know, infants are dependent on their caregivers. So we have oxytocin when we're you know taking care of our babies. And um, if you think about like the way we speak to babies and puppies, you know, like, oh, sweetheart. So we can bring that to ourselves. We can bring a warm tone of voice, which is so important to activate the calm down system in our brain and those good feel good hormones. And also like a comforting touch, like how we would, you know, like pat or hug or support, you know, if we were offering that care to a child. So I, a lot of times will like put a hand over my heart and, um, and then just try to think of a a calm tone of voice to say to myself, you know, this is a painful moment. This is a normal part of being human. What can I do to be kind to myself in this moment? What would I say to a friend? How would I treat a friend? I love that. And
0: that question that I always ask is what does it look like? How would it look if you were being kind to yourself? If you trusted that you were okay and you had what you needed, what would it feel like? So thank you so much for that.
1: Do you remember the quote that you shared? Do you want me to remind of you or do you have it? Yeah. A moment of self-compassion can change the course of your day. A string of such moments can change the course of your life. Hmm. And it's by Christopher Germer. I love it. Are you ready for lightning round? Sure. What do you think is
0: the lowest point of your life so far?
1: My mom died in the end of 2017, and that was probably the lowest. Okay, so I want you to tell us what you
0: would say to yourself then from the woman you are today.
1: I would say you're, do- you're doing okay. Continue to feel your grief. Continue to let yourself experience it. it's not going to be this intense forever. Keep going. What would your 80 year old self say to you now? Mm, That's a good one. Probably the same thing. You know, life is painful. You're doing the best you can keep going. Mm, Keep going. What does it mean to be beautiful? Um, I think it means to be letting your authentic self shine through your soul, being able to, um, to let go of all the false trappings, you know, all the ways we, we follow the shoulds and just to let yourself be wild and free. And then those be- shoulds,
0: mm-hmm.
1: those shoulds are awful. I love wild and free. What does it mean to be a strong woman? I think it means to be able to use your voice, to be able to be in your body with kindness, to be, you know, to be embodied and present, to feel what you're feeling, say what you're thinking and advocate on behalf of your needs. What would you like others to say about you? I hope they say that they feel more war- like the warmth of my presence, that they feel safe to be who they are in my presence. And I'm the one thing I would say about um, something my 80 year old self would say is um, have more fun. Mm. I think like, let go be, let your wild side out. So I hope that, you know, five years from now, people will say, wow, she's really wild. And pretty. tell me what
0: you need to let out. Like, what do you need to do to have more fun now in a pandemic that you can actually do?
1: Yeah. Um, so I have been doing some dancing and, um, I think it's just like, um, I have a fairly like anxious, you know, rigid temperament. So just trying to be more spontaneous and playful and childlike.
0: I remember when my babies were really little and I was so tense and exhausting and I had like a moment where I just realized like, this is not how I want to be. Mm-hmm. And I told, and they, at that point in time, they were, I was still like, everything needed to be clean and organized and I said, everybody get outside and get a pan. And they're like, what's happening? I'm totally going to do it today. We're totally doing this today. My kids are going to be so happy. It's raining, so it's perfect. And I made everybody go outside and I got a shaving cream can for everyone. And we sprayed and played. And they were like, what's happening to our mom? And I was like, the more muddy and messy you are, the more fun you're having. And that is still something that they talk about. Like, not that moment they talk about whenever they get messy, they're like, oh, that means we're having fun. Because yeah. I remember being so afraid when I was little to come home and be messy. And like my mom would be upset that she had to like clean it. But right. I want them to know like life is messy. We, ne- we actually physically need to get messy. So I'm, I'm going to take that from you. Thank you. Yeah, We emotionally need to get messy too, we right? Do. We and do. We mess it up. Last two questions. If you found out you only have six months
1: left, what would you do with the rest of your time? Um, I would travel and I mean, if I could travel, I would, yeah, I would just travel and enjoy beautiful things and my people. Where would you go? I really haven't traveled anywhere. So I don't have, um, I don't have something in mind. I would want to see all the things, all the things I (laughs) want to go
0: to. I want to go to Bali in Thailand. I want to take my kids to a place where they only speak Spanish. So we can, we're forced to speak Spanish. I want, I want out. I think Mm -hmm. like pandemic is like, I'm like, I want out. I have cousins that live in, um, in France. And so I, that would be my first stop. Okay. Bonjour. Mm -hmm. I have last question for you. You get one piece of advice for every woman that's listening to hear. What do you want to
1: say to them? I would say gentleness and baby steps Mm -hmm. that let's start with, start where you are and see, try to be as gentle with yourself as possible. And then take just one next right step. How do people find you? Um, I am on Instagram and Facebook, and it's at Atlanta self compassion. And then I'm on the internet, same thing, Atlanta self compassion. And I have a free weekly meditation that's on zoom, and the link is in my Instagram bio. And so I and then I also teach self compassion classes. And so all of that, you know, comes across my social media.
0: I will include all of this in the show notes. I want to thank you for your time and all the wisdom you dropped. I feel so lucky to have been in your presence.
1: Thank you so much. This was really fun. It I was. Definitely, I was
0: taking the fun energy from you. Good. That. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you are willing to rate, review, and share with your people, it makes such a difference for others to find it. And if you wanted to check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, it's available on Amazon as an audiobook with me narrating, a paperback and digital. I promise you you will love it. Have an awesome day and one more thing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you. La 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 la